Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here today for the Locked On Big 12 podcast. On the show today, Michael Swain of 24-7 joins me to talk about some Iowa State football. You guys know every Wednesday we talk about a different program in the Big 12. We talked about TCU. We've talked about Oklahoma. And today, Iowa State is getting their day. So I have a really fun conversation with Michael Swain. I think it's going to be a good conversation if you're an Iowa State fan or if you're a fan from the outside, just like me, you know, trying to get a look in and see what's going on with the Iowa State Cyclones, who are currently 5-1 and one in the conference and at the very top in first place. So an awesome conversation with Michael. Hope you guys enjoy. Hello, everybody. Locked on Big 12 podcast. Today is Wednesday, November 11th, 2020. On the show today, Michael Swain joins me from 24-7 cover Iowa State. And I'm glad, I'm glad I have you on, Michael. Once, first of all, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm very, very excited. So Iowa State, you know, on Wednesday I've been doing kind of talking about teams. We talked about TCU and Oklahoma, and Iowa State's in a really unique position because I watch them play, and I feel a certain way about them. And then I look at the Big 12 standings, and that says something else about them. So right now Iowa State is first, technically alone in first, in the Big 12 at 5-1. and one. Uh, They've played one more game than Oklahoma State, who is 4-1. And Oklahoma State does have a tiebreaker over them. That being said, does this feel like a team that is in first place in the Big 12? Sort of. And it's they're in, 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 in an interesting spot because from a big picture sense, they haven't played their best game yet. You look at the big wins that they've had over TCU. Um, they definitely did not play a perfect game. The defense gave up, you know, several big plays. Brock Purdy had that comical fumble six. Um, that was all over social media. You know, you look at the game against Oklahoma, they get, looks like they're going to get run out of the building in the first quarter. And then, you know, the defense tightens up and they end up coming back in that game. And then you look at kind of the Oklahoma state game where the offense starts the game pretty well on things just kind of deteriorated. Um, so I, I think, you know, you're happy that you're in first place at this point. I think certainly for the fans, it's exciting. You know, you're five and one for the first time in conference play ever. Um, so I, you know, you gotta be excited about that, but in terms of the big picture sense of this season for Iowa state, there's so much that you could point to, um, in terms of room for improvement. And Matt Campbell has done that. And I think Matt Campbell is an interesting coach because he definitely takes a very pragmatic approach to things. It's very much detail oriented. It's about development and it's about getting better each week. And he talks a lot about it, um, and you can see that with this team is that there is development week to week. They've had injuries that they've had to overcome. Um, they've had a lot of adversity hit this team. So I think they're in a good spot entering this final, you know, you get the bye week this week, and then you have kind of a three game pod. Um, I think they enter, enter that with a lot of momentum just based on how this three game pod went. Yeah. The Oklahoma state game was disappointing, but I think you look at how they righted the ship against Kansas on offense a little bit. And then the ability to overcome adversity again against Baylor with three interceptions in the first half. Um, you know, I, I feel like this team has the ability to win in a lot of different ways. And that's really encouraging long-term. That was actually talking about that earlier today. And I, I think they've got the chance to win in a, in a bunch of different ways. The one thing I'm, I want to ask you is we know the strength of the team is running the football. That is, that is what they are best at. And that is a lot of that's attributed to the offensive line and to Brees Hall. What is the biggest flaw on this Iowa State team? Because there's a couple places you could go, but um, I just want to know what you think about that. I'm going to, I'll answer that question in a second. Um, I want to ask that back to you. What, what do you think the weakness is of the offense? 
it's the well, I think the weakness of the team is the offense. I, I think I think the passing game is which is so ironic to talk about, right? Because we knew Brees Hall was good coming into the year. We didn't know he was this good. And Brock Purdy, it went from a guy here where everybody was saying, hey, look, this is a guy that is an NFL quarterback to I don't know how he comes out this year. Like after watching him this like his play so far this year, I if I was his, you know, if I was giving him advice, I would say I look at the quarterback class next year and I think about the guys there. And I think there's a good chance that if he has a good season and is able to show that this year was kind of an aberration and, and you know, COVID and everything, he's got a chance to be a actually be a first round quarterback. Uh, that's maybe not as much of his credit that is as is to the next year's class. I'm kind of down on, but I, a bit first year first round quarterback is a first round quarterback. So kind of going to go back to the original part of this, it's Brock Purdy because the the consistency on offense, like if they could marry good passing game with good running game. I mean, they played like crap last week and scored 30, 38 points. Uh, so you know that that's kind of where I am. What about you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I. I- I agree to some sense. Um, okay. I think the wide receivers are the the weakness of this team. Um, and that's nothing against the wide receivers too. I mean, you look at the guys that they have in terms of the long-term development, a lot of high ceiling guys, Xavier Hutchinson has, you know, played really well this season, but even him, you look at his ceiling, you know, there's more that he can do. You look at other guys that are on this roster, you know, Joe Skates was a really highly regarded recruit, hasn't necessarily contributed a ton. Um, there are several players like that on this team that are guys that have so much potential, but haven't necessarily played up to it. Uh, the thing that I keep going back to is against Oklahoma State, you know, when things started to go downhill for the offense, Brock Purdy basically shut off any receiver that's not named Xavier Hutchinson or Charlie Kohler. Right. So I think that's the big thing that I go back to is you got to look at the guys that Brock Purdy's throwing to. Um, I think that was an issue against Louisiana. I think it was an issue against Oklahoma State. Um, teams are saying, you want to know what? We're going to send guys at Brock Purdy. We're going to bring pressure. We're going to play man-to-man on the outside, and we're going to dare your guy to beat our guy. Because what that's going to do is, for the most part, I mean, Oklahoma State has great defensive backs, so maybe that's not the best example. But even against Louisiana, Right. Like no, that's, that's the prime example. Yes. You know, they said, Hey, you know, our guys are going to lock up your guys. And they did now, granted, I think you could look back at that and say uh, the timing wasn't there. And according to Matt Campbell, you know, that, that game came when Iowa state was, you know, according to his words in their second week of practice. So, right. you know, it's hard to read a ton into the overall performance against Louisiana, but I think you can pinpoint some of those issues as the broader issues this offense has faced this year. So you know, yes, there is some blame for Brock Purdy of being, you know, trying to do too much in certain situations. And he's talked about that. But I think also a part of it is you kind of have to look at, you know, how teams are playing against Iowa State and what they're doing to Brock Purdy, because they're basically saying, Brock, you're going to have two seconds to make this throw. You're going to have to be perfect or else our defensive back is going to get in the way. You're going to get sacked or it's going to get batted down in the line of scrimmage. So yeah. I think just collectively it, it's helped this maybe perception of Brock Purdy, right. you know, deteriorating or having a really down year when in fact, you know, yeah, he's not been up to standard, but it maybe hasn't been as bad as some on the outside. Might think. Yeah. I, I think with the receiver part of this, what I want to say there is they've got a lot of size at receiver. The issue is, and I was thinking about this last week is they don't have a whole lot of like underneath guys who are just going to go and get open and get you a couple yards, right? This team does is not all about, you know, it's, from what I've watched, throwing a lot of screen passes and just trying to get guys, who are non-running backs into space all the time. Like they've got so much size, like you mentioned with Hutchison and, and Kohler. And I mean, they've got a bunch of other, you know, I know that I forget the other name of the, of the young kid. They have a really big, another 
big young yeah, Sean Shaw. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that is, you know, that's great. You want to have some size, but size is valuable if you have time to throw. So if teams are going to blitz you, and we know teams like Oklahoma State will, um, that is where you run into some issues. I will say this though about for Brock Purdy, decisions in the running game for the most part are very good. Uh, the Oklahoma State game in particular, I thought the decisions when they were running a lot of the read option stuff, when he decided to keep it, he was making the right call. And I think for, for many times he does do a good job of making teams defend all parts of the running game, which in, in turn helps Brees Hall and makes all of that so effective. Definitely. And so what you mentioned there with the speed aspect of things, that's true, that they really don't have that guy. Landon Akers has been that guy this season. And the reason they haven't had that guy is Tariq Milton, their M guy, is what they call the kind of the slot receiver. Um, he's been out with injury. You know, played against Louisiana, didn't play against TCU, played a couple snaps against Oklahoma, and then had a shoulder injury. Um, I believe it was a, a left shoulder or something up there um, against Texas Tech. I saw him in a, in a sling on the sideline, that left arm in the sling. But he's really the key to this offense, honestly. If they can get him back after the bye week, I think that adds another dimension to the offense. And you mentioned Brock Purdy in the run game there. Um, they've done that a lot more as of late, I think. Um, obviously, it's hard to tell sometimes with the read option stuff because for all we know, it, a play could be a read option and Brock Purdy just never pulls it himself, which you know could happen. Um, but that definitely adds another layer to the offense as well in terms of the run game is Brock Purdy being able to run. I think you look what Oklahoma State did with Spencer Sanders against Iowa State where – they almost not lulled Iowa State to sleep, but they used Chuba Hubbard so well that it felt like every time it's going to Hubbard, going to Hubbard, and then there's one time where Spencer Sanders takes it and he gets 15 yards. It's those types of moments for Brock Purdy that maybe you might want to see a little bit more often. But then also you got to remember who's the Iowa State's backups. It's two true freshmen. And yeah, Hunter Deckers is two for two on the season with the touchdown pass against Kansas. But right. I don't think you want him starting the home stretch of this Big 12 title run. So I think there has to be some, a little bit of caution there from right. an Iowa State perspective when it comes to Purdy in the run game, whereas Oklahoma State, they have Illingsworth um, or yeah. Illingworth right behind, you know, where you've got a quality quarterback right. that has maybe a little bit of experience um, behind him. So I think that does change it. But in terms of wrapping up the offensive thought, um, getting Tariq Milton back is going to be key. And honestly, if you're watching Iowa State from an outside perspective, I, I think, you know, that's the one name you're going to look for. Um, because in the lead up to this Kansas State game, especially in the lead up to that Texas game, if Mer if Milton is available, it adds another dimension for the offense. Yeah, and it's guys had some experience too, right? He's a junior. I mean, you had over you know guy who had over 700 yards last year, and that's what this offense is missing. It feels like got weapons to the outside, got a tight end. They just need a guy who can kind of dink and you know got the running backs obviously, but you need a guy who can get underneath the defense. When they do bring that blitz, you need somebody who is underneath that can kind of can kind of exploit the emptiness of where the linebackers are. Uh, on, on Purdy, one last thought. Do you think he stays or do you think he, do you think he goes? Um, I don't know. Um, I think you asked me before this season, I would have said he goes, but I don't know. Um, I think maybe he stays, honestly. I think it depends maybe on how this year ends. If Iowa right. State wins the Big 12, it wouldn't surprise me if he and some of the other seniors that have the opportunity to come back next year with this blanket eligibility waiver that's been given out, wouldn't surprise me if they win the Big 12. If some of them say, you want to know what? Our job here is done in terms of rebuilding this program and getting this program to the point where it is competing for Big 12 championships. Maybe some of the veterans say, all right, let's hand over the reins to maybe some of the younger youth and let them take this program to another level in terms of consistency. 
So moving forward to uh, one more part of the offense, Brees Hall, I don't know why he's not being talked about as a Heisman Trophy winner um, or Heisman Trophy candidate rather, right? I mean, this is a guy who is, you know, he, his performance this year reminds me a lot of Chuba's last year, right? High volume, great output. And, you know, I think the high volume can kind of count against guys sometimes. I'm not a believer in that. I think high volume is a sign of durability. I think it should be rewarded. Incredible output. He's one of he is the, I mean, you know, one or two in a lot of major statistical categories, not just in the, the conference. I mean, he's the best in the conference, but across the country, he's also leading those categories as well. Not as good of a pass catcher, but I, and I'm not saying a running back's going to win it. But Najee, if Najee Harris deserves, you know, consideration, I think Brees Hall should be out there. And the, I mean, the only name you see, and I'm, you know, checked basically every odds book I could find, can't get money on Brees Hall. Brees Hall is not available to bet on. And I think, you know, not, he's not on any list either. And that's confused me because I think his performance from a team, I know it's five and two in their Iowa state and people aren't paying a ton of attention, but his performance, if Najee Harris's warrants, you know, consideration uh, at Brees Hall's does as well too. I think you said it there though. He plays for Iowa state. That's, that's yeah. honestly like it. And that's nothing against Iowa state either. It's just the national perception. Right. You look at the logo. It's not Alabama. It's not flashy. It's not Clemson. It's not one of those big time teams. And so I think to some degree, you know, you can use that against Iowa State saying, oh, he only plays for Iowa State. He's the only person they have. If you don't know anything about Iowa State, you could say that and probably get away with it because people aren't going to push back against your Iowa State knowledge. But I, I do think he deserves to be in the conversation. Um, does he deserve to be a finalist? I don't know. Um, I think you're going to see Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence win it just because that's how this works. Sometimes. I, I don't get, I mean, this season they've been, you know, like Justin Fields playing two games and us saying, well, he's up there. It's, it's baffling to me. I, I get it. And I, I, nobody's a bigger Justin Fields fan than me. I've been a Justin Fields fan forever, but two games in this guy's got a seven game body of work where he's just put, I mean, it's, it's a hundred plus every game. So I don't, I don't know why, you know, we can't give a little bit of a love here to Brees Hall. I think he's going to have to, uh, He's going to have to do it to Texas. He's going to have to do it to mm -hmm. Kansas State. One of those, Kansas State much less. So he needs to do it to Texas. If he can do it he's, to Texas, he's going to, he's, his name might get up there. He's going to have to do it in the Big 12 championship game, honestly. Right, that too, yeah. Like, yeah. Th that's honestly the stage you're talking about where, you know, for Brees Hall in order, you know, to be in terms of that national Heisman, you know, uh, conversation. You know, I, he is the epitome of consistency though. We do this feature um, on, on our website, Cyclone Alert. It's called Who Stood Out and Who Didn't. Um, we do it after every football game. Uh, it's before I rewatch. It's just kind of like taking observations from the initial game itself. Um, who stood out? Who didn't? Brees Hall has been in on it every game except one this season. Um, so, you know, Brees Hall has just, he's been the epitome of consistency. It's 100 yards a game. It's a touchdown a game. And honestly, I think if you look at his all-around game, I think he's taken a lot of steps forward this I season. I agree. Something that Matt Campbell talked about in the lead-up to the season was having Brees be more consistent. Now that means pass blocking with more consistency. That means catching the ball with more consistency. I might push back against the point uh, of Brees Hall not being a great pass catcher. He just doesn't get asked to do it a lot. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Iowa State doesn't run a ton of you know running back screens like you see, you know the Chiefs do it on seeming every offensive drive. Um, you know, but in terms of what he's asked to do, you know, pass blocking, it certainly seems like he's gotten a lot better. There are times where I've been rewatching games and I noticed that I think it was against Oklahoma. Brees Hall took out two defensive linemen with one chip block. Um, while protecting Brock Purdy, you know, so there's just an all around game for Brees Hall. It, it's ridiculous. And he certainly looks like the next, like Matt Campbell, you know, you think about Kareem Hunt, Dave Montgomery, he, he certainly seems like he's on his way to being that. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you by Coors Light. What do you do when you need a moment to just chill? 
How do you hit the reset button to get ready for what's coming next? Everything these days is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. And that's when you reach for Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It is literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. So when you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Go to get.coorslight.com right now to get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door. That's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is also brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar out there right now. They've got six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barchia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Those go along with 12 original flavors, coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, toffee, almond, and coconut, as well as my favorite, peanut butter brownie. All those are covered in chocolate. They've got six nut, six without nut and Built Bars. Best thing about them, they are healthy for you and delicious. Go to BuiltBar.com right now and order with the promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off on your next order. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for 20% off at BuiltBar.com and also a chance to win a free cooler while supplies last. Once again, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next purchase at BuiltBar.com. Yes, I could not agree more. Yeah, with the pass catching part of it, I just meant the numbers aren't there, you know, to say, oh, wow, this guy is, you know, this guy is Christian McCaffrey reincarnated. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I'm just, yeah, there's the numbers there, uh, you know, and, and also too, I mean, when you're giving a guy that many carries, there's no need to to go ahead and throw him in that part of the game too. Like you can find other guys, other guys to do that. On the, on the case of the defense, wh- what are the feelings of the defense in general? Because I feel like, you know, they hang their hat on this obviously defensive system. Everybody wants to copy it, recreate it, et cetera. But you still have a unit that in my estimation is one of the best two or three tackling uh, defenses. It, this team is always just, you watch Iowa state football and it's textbook tackling. Yes. The athletes might not be there to compete with the best athletes, the Tylen Wallace of the world, you know, your Marvin Mims, right? You can't always lock those guys down, stick with them all the time. But when it comes to tackling team tackling, and just everybody kind of being on the same page, they still have that in my opinion. Definitely. Um, and I think in terms of the defense this season, they haven't been put in great positions. Honestly. No, they have not. Um, <laughs> I, I need to go back and do the math again, but I think there was one point this year where the defense had given up, um, like Iowa State, basically, scrap that. Basically, Iowa State's given up five non-defensive touchdowns this year. You've got uh, three kick returns, uh, a block field goal taken back for a touchdown, and a fumble return for a touchdown. You know, you take those touchdowns away from Iowa State's point-per-game number, that's what the defense is actually giving up. So, you know, this unit has not been put in the most advantageous positions as well. You look at maybe the interception uh, Brock Purdy threw against Baylor this past week. It gives Baylor a short field. They're able to score. Um, I think when this defense is, you know, at the opposing 25-yard line and they have to drive the entire field, they're a real hard defense to execute against for an entire drive. Um, because they do so many different things with that three-man front. There's so many different stunts. You know, you've got so many different pieces on that defensive line. You've got a guy like Juquan Bailey, who's just an all-around game wrecker. I mean, you saw what he did against TCU where he gets, I think it was three and a half sacks in the first half. He forces a fumble, um, just an overall dominant player 
And then you look at someone like Will McDonald, for example, who's kind of this pass rush specialist that Iowa State has. You know, Jaquan Bailey went and set the all-time sack record this season. Will McDonald might do that when he's a junior next year. Um, or I guess he'd technically be a sophomore again next year just because of um, the, the rules uh, with the eligibility. So I think you look at this defensive line, they have so many ways that they can attack you. They've got guys that are really good at run fitters. Um, you got Uwazarike, you've got uh, Zach Peterson, guys like that that can fill up space. And then you look at the linebacker position, and I think you got to be really happy if you're Iowa State with what you've gotten out of Jake Hummel um, from that weak side linebacker position. He's been really consistent. Matt Campbell called him Mr. Consistency um, earlier this season. And then you look at Mike Rose. I think Mike Rose is an, maybe an underrated def- Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year candidate. He leads the Big 12 interceptions with three from a linebacker position, one of the top tacklers in the conference, and is just an all-around dominant linebacker because he's able to run sideline to sideline. He's 6'4", he's big, he can hit you, um, he's fast, he can just do it all. Um, And then you look at the safety spots. I think that's where maybe some of the leakage has been. Uh, You look at maybe the free safety spot with Lawrence White. Hasn't been the most consistent this season. He's had good games, but there have been times where he's been caught for big plays. Greg Eisworth is really solid from that strong safety spot, but the star position is super fascinating for Iowa State. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. They've got this redshirt freshman, Aishim Young, um, who reminds me of Jamal Adams. Now, before you cringe and turn off the podcast, let me explain why. If you look at him on the field, he's thick. He's got that Jamal Adams just build to him where he looks like a strong guy that's hard to um, run over. And then if you look at the way he plays, he plays fast. He plays downhill. There was a play um, a f- short against Texas Tech where Texas Tech opened up a hole at the line of scrimmage for the running back to go into. And Aishim Young in a split second just th- flew in the hole and just threw his body there and absolutely flattened the running back. He's someone that has been really good this season. Um, but there have been times where that star position hasn't maybe gotten the most consistency. So I think overall, you look at this defense, there are a lot of really good pieces, but they're just kind of a versatile group overall to where kind of depending on how a game's going, you know, defensive coordinator, John Haycock can kind of do what he wants. You know, he can say, all right, so they're beating us this way. Let's shift the way our safeties are applying to where they're, you know, more over the top and cloud coverage type of things, or let's move them where they're more underneath. So there's just a lot of versatility with this defense where they can do a lot. Do you think Matt Campbell, uh, do you think he stays? Do you think he's going to be back as head coach next year? Because I know we're in COVID, but there are some fan base. And I, I think this is a lot of this is going to be actually exacerbated by coronavirus is that there's people are just not happy in general, right? You know, people aren't uh, as optimally happy as we would be as just a country during, you know, if it wasn't COVID. And I think you're, you know, there's gonna be a lot more acrimony, right? Amongst your Michigans of the world your, uh, you know, your Virginia Techs of the world, the other place where, you know, people are upset and rightfully so, but things could get, you know, exacerbated. Auburn, another place like that. I'm not saying Matt Campbell is a candidate for either of those jobs, but we, we talked about how, hey, there might not be any jobs opening up. I don't buy that. I think 
in college football, there's always going to be job openings. I think uh, fans and boosters, even in a season like this, will have their say. Do you think, and with that in mind, I know it's tough to know, but do, do you feel like the wins might be going towards Matt Campbell leaving soon, or do you think he's still there? Because I, the big jobs, you know, like Michigan's going to be open, right? Michigan, by all accounts at this point in time, it feels like it's going to be an opening job. And whether or not Luke Fickle wants that job seems like it's going to be the thing that swings it. If he doesn't want it and they offer it to Matt Campbell, I can't see him turning it down. Interesting. Um, and, yeah, I know there was a report out there, um, I think maybe Monday, about Matt Campbell being a candidate for the Michigan job if they were to move on from Harbaugh. Um, I don't think he'd leave now. I think for him, they're still in the rebuilding process here. Um, now, if they win a Big 12 championship, I don't know. Um, I, I think it's tough, honestly. I, I don't think he leaves until the program gets to that point. And just because in, in my short time here on the beat, you know, a couple months in, it certainly seems like Matt Campbell's really in on the idea of rebuilding Iowa State. And something that he consistently talks about is you can do these things at other programs, but you can't do it at Iowa State. And you have to build and you have to develop and you have to have culture. And he talks about those things. And just listening to him talk about it, it doesn't sound like someone that is in on bailing on it when it's not right. complete. Yeah. And I think that's maybe what we're seeing is where, you know, until this is complete, I don't know if Matt Campbell would consider going somewhere else. And I don't know him well enough. I don't, you know, have that sort of sourcing within Matt Campbell's camp to be able to tell if, you know, he's going to leave or not. But I think it's certainly, he's going to keep being brought up for names. That's for sure. For different jobs, you know, Michigan, I don't, whatever jobs next in the, in the Midwest, any job that opens in the Midwest, that's a bigger program, so to speak, than Iowa State, Matt Campbell is going to be brought up. Um, now, if he leaves this year, I don't think so. I think you're probably looking at it where it's a couple of years down the road, maybe where the program's in a lot better spot, but I, it's just tough to know. I just think he makes so much sense at a place like Michigan because their issue is not recruiting, it's talent development. They've got, I mean, you look at the number of four and five stars in that team and you look at the teams that have beaten them. I mean, you look at the way that just they got their asses handed to them by Indiana. And what you think is, oh my God, this team has a development issue, All right? There's not a talent issue, it's a development issue. And that's why he and Fickle make so much sense at those two places. That's why those two guys seem like great fits. And there's a lot of schools. Like, I mean, I even say, you know, uh, you could, I mean, people, you could argue it's the lateral move. It's not in my opinion, but like a Virginia Tech is going to be open and they those boosters might be willing to throw a lot of money. Auburn is a place that could be open. And, uh, you know, Auburn, maybe not so much, but those big jobs that come calling to him, I, I just, my question to you is like, you know, at some point in time, you have a down year at Iowa State, your stock drops, right? You know, and and you could put yourself in a bad position. And he's done about, in my opinion, done for that program, everything, he, you know, I, I think this year kind of is the culmination. This year, I don't see it getting much better than this year, just with the talent they have and the guys there. I'm not sure it's going to get how much better than this season is going to get. They're probably going to be eight and two, right? They're on track to be in the championship game, which is what they want it to be. And you can also make the argument too, that like this team hasn't played their best football and they actually, like there's more room to grow. If I'm him, I'm like, what else did you want? You know, what else do you want from me? Right. You know, what else, what else could I give you? And it just kind of the timing seems right in some other coach to, to pick up that mantle at Iowa State. So I think, I think timing-wise for him, this season's going to make the most sense. But that's just me. For sure. And I understand it. And it, the timing does make sense. It, 
It really does from an outside perspective. And you mentioned the talent development thing there, which I think is really important to note for Matt Campbell. Um, we do something at 24-7 Sports, the team talent composite. And that came out, um, what was it, maybe like in October, I want to say, mid-October. Um, and basically, Iowa State's team talent is like nowhere near in terms of like the, the star ratings and all of that stuff. Right. Specifically looking at guys in their recruiting rankings. Um Iowa State's nowhere near the likes of, you know, the Texas, TCU, Oklahoma, and yet they are able to compete and beat those types of teams. Mm -hmm. So that just, I think, speaks to the development of things. And, you know, I think as long as Matt Campbell is at Iowa State and as long as Matt Campbell continues to win games at Iowa State, he's going to have himself in conversations for other jobs. Moving on to basketball, let's talk, let's talk a little uh, a little hoops here. So Steve Prum's group and all the Big 12 is just kind of, I guess we're all kind of basketball in general, kind of all kind of on edge, right? This feels like a weird season. We're watching what's happening right now in the Southeastern Conference, and it's been a disaster. And you're thinking about basketball and just in terms of a sport, right? Smaller teams, but that contact on the on the court, you know, just it's got to be concerning to all of us. They're starting their season in what, less than three weeks here? That's that's about what, what they've got. How do you feel about the state, uh, the state of Iowa State basketball post Tyrese Halliburton? They're in an interesting spot. I think this is a developmental year for this team. Um, I maybe would have said something different if Blake Henson had been available. Um, Blake Henson is an, a transfer from Ole Miss. Uh, he is someone that would have brought something that this team currently doesn't have, which is kind of a, a three-point shooting go guy from the four spot that's versatile enough to kind of guard the, the bigger fours we'll see in the Big 12, kind of like Brady Manick. If you think about it, mm -hmm. um, you know, Manic, someone that can make threes, can move around, but Henson, someone that can guard that type of player. Um, and he won't be able to play this season. He has a medical issue that is unrelated to COVID-19. He's back in Florida, will not play with the team this season. Steve Prohm said he hopes to have him back next year. Um, but I think that's a real damper for this team because he was someone that I think had the opportunity to be kind of like a double-digit score, you know, just in terms of throwing out numbers here, like a 12 four and four type of guy, someone that can get you points, rebounds, assists, can kind of just do it all for you. And now this team doesn't necessarily have that. They've got pretty good depth at guard with guys like Rasheer Bolton, Tyler Harris, Jalen Coleman lands. And then you look at the front court, they've got three really good five men. You got George Condit, uh, you know, uh, you've got Xavier Foster, Solomon Young, you know, you've got new guys that are those guys that have ability at the five. It's just how the team's going to gel. I'm a little interested to see how that happens with the lack of practice um, that they've been able to have collectively just through the offseason. Um, for a good long while there over the summer, they were doing what Steve Prohm called pod workouts, where they had like three or four guys right. in the gym at a time. And I just wonder how much you're able to develop on-court chemistry. And with so much turnover after last year, you think about you know Tyler Harris is new, Jalen Coleman Lands is new, uh, Javon Johnson is new. You've got a bunch of new guys, and I just wonder how they're going to gel on the court without a full season. Because usually you think, you know, you've got usually like five or six games against nobody opponents and all that. But now all of a sudden, yeah, that's you know, my question. You've got to jump in and play Iowa, maybe your third game of the season. You know, that's not ideal um, in terms of if you have so much roster turnover, as I yes. say, as I've got uh, an ambulance going by my apartment now. Um, but I, I think it's just. You got nowhere. It's going to be a developmental year this year, just because there are so many new pieces and it's a lot of young talent on this team. And I think the encouraging thing for Iowa State fans long term, they can have everyone back on this team if they wanted. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if Rasir Bolton has a really good year, he'll be back. If Jalen Coleman lands, he could have a he could be back if he decides not to go pro. I think in terms of the long-term development of the program, I think you might be a little encouraged if this team shows strides this year for next year. But in terms of just this year, I think it's developmental. Yeah, it's it has to be, right? You bring in so many new players and you lose a star like Tyrese Halliburton, you got to find out who the person is going to make to be like, to make the engine go and and to bring those guys in. And, and that's not uncommon, right? It, you you when you have this mixture of guys who have been there uh, who, you know, need to take on bigger roles, guys coming in who are the transfers or recruits that just coalesces, but you need those practice reps, right? And you need those early season games against, you know, poor opponents to, to, you know, see what the, the, the offense looks like. So, you know, you know, you'll see a lot of this early in the season, you're throwing balls out of bounds the first half of the game against Furman and it's a 26, 25 game. And then you thump them the second half because those guys begin to find their continuity and don't, don't mean to diss on Furman. I'm sorry. I'm just, I just picked some smaller school, but you know what I mean, right? Those, those are very critical games to have. And so I think that's going to be interesting to see, you know, who adds games here and there, what's going to be the, their ability to add those games. So I think the one thing I would say is going for them is that, everybody in the conference might be at a similar spot that they're in. Definitely. And it does look like this year in the big 12, that's going to be a, not a top heavy year, but there's a lot of really good teams. I mean, you look at Oklahoma state, they were finished to pick like middle of the road in the big 12 and they have the number one, possibly, you know, the number one overall pick next year, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just going to be a real tough year in the big 12. And I guess that's what might be a little concerning for Iowa state fans is just how good the league is. I mean, you look at the league last year, and it which just wasn't as good. I mean, you had Kansas and Baylor, and outside of that, Texas Tech had kind of had a down year. Texas didn't look the same with Chaka Smart. They weren't really that good. Um, and I think this year you're just running into the issue where kind of everyone's reloaded. Texas has, you know, some new talent on their team. Um, you know, Texas Tech reloaded with like Mac McClung. Um, so it's just going to be a really tough year this year. And I just wonder, you know, you look at what happened last year when Iowa State lost Tyrese Halliburton, what happened to the team? They were just, they just struggled. And now you didn't really, I mean, you add Xavier Foster, who's a, you know, a a top big man in the last class, but we know how big men are. They don't come and hit the ground running, not in the big 12, not your seven foot. Like that's not how this works. Regardless of conference, they don't, they don't usually hit the ground running. Yeah. It just takes time. And so I just wonder this season, you know, you've got some depth at guard and then you've got some of the big men. I just wonder about that continuity. And then how are they going to replace just that production that Tyrese had? You know, you do have new additions, but again, how is it all going to gel? You know, this is normally when these teams are already playing, uh, they already have, you know, maybe a, a game or two under their belts, uh, you know, around this point in time. So as, as they kind of near those early Thanksgiving ish tournament tournament uh, areas. So yeah, it's, that's my big question. And, and, I'm concerned about how they're going to get through the entire season. I have some serious questions about how they plan to get through all of it. I'm not sure if you do. Do you? I always do. I'm skeptical about yeah, even college football finishing, to be honest. I just worry about right. how things are going and just the trend in the country right yeah, now. True. That's what is a little concerning. Um, do I have confidence that they're going to try and figure it out? Yeah. But nothing about this strikes confidence. Mm-hmm. Literally, this started at the end of the last college basketball season, right? You know, and oh, I remember it very what well. Sort of, yeah. What sort of plan do we have right. now? You know, it doesn't feel like yeah, it doesn't feel like we have a whole. It doesn't feel like we're, you know, uh, other than having lived through it for the last well, however many months, it doesn't seem like we've really come a whole lot, a whole lot of a uh, whole long way in terms of organization. Yeah, and you could see that with the way the MTs kind of got handled. How with the Orlando, you know, how they wanted to do 
um, the big tournament there. And then all of a sudden ESPN's like, actually, no, we're not doing it. And it's like, right. Whoa, hold on a second here. Like wh what's happening. So I think just in general, um, I have confidence that they'll start. Uh, I don't know what my confidence meter would be that they finish. I think 70, 70% yeah. that they finished. Maybe, I don't know. I think flip of the coin might work yeah. too. Um, I, I think it's just going to be a fascinating next couple months. And because they're in a different position than football. Football, right. you got a week in between the games to kind of yeah. like test and, and contact trace and do all that. But what happens when Iowa State plays on a Saturday and they have Big Monday a day and a half later? You know, it's just. Oh, it's going to be. And, and, and the, the thing is, the thing about this is we know like for a fact it transfers in the basketball court. I mean, Rudy Gobert and Christian Wood were the example of this happening. You know, Christian Wood got it from Rudy Gobert. And we, you know, we know this. It, it goes like that. We know it can go from one person to another like that. So your concern level, I know it doesn't affect young people in, in a certain way, but you have to be careful, right? You never know who has what kind of condition that can you know hurt them. And um, yeah, just my concern level like yours is, is very high. For football, you know, you, you look across and you're seeing it right now in the Southeastern Conference, like there's a chance that, this, that the SEC doesn't play a game this weekend. Uh, Missouri is having their COVID issues. Tennessee has been canceled against Alabama. You know, the, uh, excuse me, uh, Tennessee against AM was canceled. LSU, Alabama has been canceled. Missouri's got COVID issues. Arkansas's coach has COVID. You know, you're looking across uh, Vanderbilt and K Kentucky's game is in jeopardy. And funny enough, this week in the Big the, uh, Big 12, we have a, of most of the teams are on by. So you're kind of hoping that, okay, let's everybody be careful. We have two games, I believe, this week. Yeah, we have two games, but also a um, little nugget here in terms of long-term looking forward to Kansas State, Iowa State next week. Chris Kleiman said today that they have, I think it was, uh, I'm not going to give a number. Never mind. I might be wrong. Um, they have several positive cases, active cases within the program right now. And so, you know, not all the teams are, you know, free and clear right now, even in the Big 12, even if they do have a buy. Mm -hmm. So that'll be something to watch over just the next week. Yeah. All right, man. Appreciate your time. And where can people find you? Yeah, you bet. Um, you know, on Twitter at mswain247. Uh, my last name, Swain, is S W A I N. And of course, go over to, uh, iowa-state.247sports.com or you can just do cyclonealert.com that's kind of our phrase and the title of the website you can check all of our stuff out there we've got daily iowa state content for you we do a lot on the recruiting side as well if you're into recruiting definitely come check us out and it'll definitely i promise it'll be worth your time michael swain of 24 7 sports man we appreciate your time definitely thank you so much for having me really appreciate it Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.